Hey y'all, it's Zoe Nicole, and welcome back to I Can't Walk, I'm Not Dead. I've missed recording so much, but I've got so many amazing things to share with you guys. I graduated college, I've moved across states, and life has been taking such an incredible turn for me. And I just want to say thank you so much for the support. I didn't expect to get nearly as many listeners as I did on the last story time, but I really, really appreciate it. Icy Wind is back and better than ever with no more excuses or victim mentality. So let's get into the main topic of today's episode, the myth of body positivity. Body positivity, genuinely one of the biggest myths that we could ever fall for. Um, I I hate the topic of of body positivity and then hate is a strong word, but I genuinely must say it's one of the most frustrating things to have to listen to. I mean, if you've ever stepped on any side of Instagram or TikTok, or even if you were to type in body positivity on YouTube, you would see loads and loads of videos of people complaining about how we're not inclusive enough, of how we can't include every single possible denomination that ever existed anywhere, and how not doing so just isn't body positive. Now, of course, being in a wheelchair, I have my own deformities, my own issues that I deal with, and so I used to be very excited at the initial thought of body positivity. Maybe if children or people saw, you know, someone who's in a wheelchair on their TV or in an ad, that it wouldn't be so weird to them, right? Because not everyone gets to have firsthand experience growing up with someone who's disabled and getting to know them and going through that entire process. So I used to be really excited for this. Now, of course, I learned very quickly that it has nothing to do with actually being body positive and, you know, not being so weird about bodies. It's one thing to promote a healthy lifestyle. It's another thing to just be weird when you see a body that's different from normal, such as someone missing an arm or a leg or having stretch marks or losing an eye or something like that. No, this has become a completely different movement about accepting fatness and fatness only and shaming those who don't want to promote obesity or overeating or unhealthy lifestyles. Now, of course, you still see people trying. They're trying to be body positive in every single way, but they get a lot of backlash because right now, fat is what's supposed to be in. I mean, I don't think that it is in for the average person. I don't think the average person, fat or not, really enjoys the idea of everyone being obese. But online and in businesses and marketing, fat is definitely in right now. And of course, people are very afraid of not seeming body positive or they showcase lots of jealousy online. And so I wanna talk about this one post that I saw on Instagram. And it was a very thin girl, right, who was showing her stomach and she said, daily reminder that your morning skinny self is an unrealistic standard to have for your body. And then she showed um, herself how she looked bloated by the end of the day, right? Now, there were some supportive comments, but there were several comments that showcased their jealousy and anti-thinness with, meanwhile, I'm a plus-size girl, or, well, I'm not skinny at any part of the day, or, I still wake up fat, though. I'm not blessed to be skinny with skinny arms like her. Someone even wrote in all caps, you're still skinny, though. And some people even accused her of pushing her stomach out. You see, that's not very body positive, is it? See, you're not allowed to really have appreciation for your body or 
you know, set standards for yourself or appreciate or feel bad about your body if you fit what they consider to be the standard, which as I said earlier, no one really wants to be fat. Um, it's not an everyday, yes, I enjoy this. And yet online, it's so praised and so loved, but the moment you go under a video or a photo of someone who's skinny, it's people complaining about how they're not skinny because they genuinely don't enjoy being fat. But if we're gonna be body positive, wouldn't you celebrate either person? Wouldn't you celebrate those who are bigger and those who are smaller? Perhaps those who are muscular and those who have deformities. But that's not what body positivity is, which is why I consider it to be some kind of myth of the internet. Something I've also noticed about the body positivity movement is that they use a lot of key and catchphrases such as fat phobia or fat phobic. And they'll say uh, things such as, well, if you don't like a certain person, then you're fat phobic. Now, I generally don't really care about if someone says you know you not having a preference for fat people makes you fat phobic that doesn't necessarily bother me what does get to me is when they start pulling in people with disabilities and you're going to notice this in a lot of these topics that other groups of people who are trying to fight for something tend to pull people with disabilities into their their crowd and, and assume that we need to fight with them or that we even agree with them and i'm here to say right now i don't agree with the body positivity movement as a whole i don't agree with what they tend to push and what they stand for just as i don't agree with other topics and me having my own body issues does not mean that i'm going to be on the same page and have the same understanding that you do about this topic and so that brings me to this video that's actually quite popular you might have seen it yourself of this woman trying to sit down and explain how preferences are suddenly fat phobic and she says well you know you saying that you don't think fat people are hot is fat phobic in the same way that saying that you don't think wheelchairs are hot is ableist and I'm here to say firsthand wheelchairs are not hot okay and you probably have a problem and a fetish if you genuinely sit back and think, oh my gosh, wheelchairs are hot. So no, allow me to say firsthand that as someone who's used a wheelchair for over 10 years, they're not hot and it's okay if they're not hot and it's okay if someone doesn't think that you're hot because you're fat. It's okay to have preferences. I'm not hurt whenever someone says, no, I don't wanna date you or no, I'm not interested because I'm just not into people who have disabilities. If I'm gonna be honest, I probably would not date someone who's in a wheelchair myself. Why? Because I already know how much work it is and I know how tough that would be. I already have to deal with me. I definitely could not handle something else on top of that. And it's okay for someone else to also think those things. Not everyone is some sort of ick or ism or ist just because they don't agree with you aren't attracted to you and just don't like you in general. No, someone is not ableist just because they're not attracted to me. And they're not fat phobic just because they don't like you. That's okay. And it's time that people start getting that into their heads and learning to heal. Perhaps you should love yourself first before forcing other people to love you. So with all due respect uh, to the body positivity movement, and to the fat positivity movement and the health at every size movement and all these movements, right? Which I genuinely don't even think they're actual movements. I mean, what are you standing for, right? What are you working for? But please stop bringing, actually, I won't even say please, just stop bringing people with disabilities into your movement as if we are supposed to agree with you just because we've been marginalized or harmed in the past. We don't want any of what you have. 
we genuinely already have our own issues that we're having to work through and our own health problems that we're trying to figure out. So the last thing we need is to be brought into someone else's issues. And speaking of health, taking care of your health is another thing that is pretty much demonized in the body positivity myth of a movement, right? So imagine being told that, imagine you working out, taking care of yourself, uh, trying to live a healthy life, because of whatever reason that you choose to and being told that it's fat phobic because you choose to work out well that's exactly what's going on especially if you fall into that whole tiktok realm you'll hear a lot of working out is fat phobic or being healthy is bad because it's super fat phobic against people or having a dress code is fat phobic or getting on a plane is fat phobic and then not only that they'll again lump us into it and bring in race and bring in disabilities and say oh it's also ableist because how are people in wheelchairs supposed to fit down the aisles or how are people in wheelchairs supposed to wear clothes to work whatever that means or how are people in wheelchairs supposed to be healthy well first off isn't that rude (laughs) is that not one of the most rude things you could say you are underestimating our abilities to be healthy to actually follow a dress code what what would we not would we not get dressed would i just not wear clothes to work is is having a dress code of looking decent is that supposed to be a bad thing no it's not and you know what there are things that don't fit me normally that i might have to get tailored because i have scoliosis or because one of my legs are slightly shorter so maybe i have to roll up uh roll up the ends of my pants because my legs are short is that is that ableist no no that's life okay that's what happens when your body is simply different from the average okay there aren't as many disabled people as there are able-bodied people So I can't expect for myself, for the standard to just fall to meet me, right? I have to meet the standard and that's just life. And so the same thing goes for those who are bigger. Most people just aren't that big. So for clothing or for seats or for, you know, just health requirements, you might have to do more. You might have to work out more. You might have to buy two seats. That's because you're just not at the standard of what is average. And that's okay, but what's not okay is to demand that other people are some, or, or to call people, honestly, some terrible words, such as fat phobic and ableist, and to assume that they spend their lives and that they want to work on just demeaning these groups of people. That, to me, is a bigger insult than what anyone could say about my wheelchair. And the reason why it is such a big insult is because you don't understand the the weight of words. There are genuine people who are racist, who are ableist. And what they do in response is they go around and they campaign for the worst of things, okay? Um, for an example, right? Planned Parenthood and who it used to be run by. People who literally believed in eugenics. And they would go and write books that were loved by the likes of Hitler, right? People who wanted to eradicate race, uh, to eradicate entire races. And they wanted to do such awful, disgusting things. Those, those were the racist, okay? Someone who says, um, you know, a stereotype or an offhanded comment, that's, that's not racist. And I think that us refusing to have a standard for these words is why they just get thrown around so much. And I feel like that's more of an insult to someone who's just trying to do their job. 
So no, it's not ableist and it's not fat phobic to encourage healthy lifestyles, eating, working out, to have a dress code, uh, to have planes set up the way they are. That's not some kind of is or ism or ick. It is the way of life, right? And these are positive things that we should be reinforcing. We should be encouraging people to eat better. And I especially appreciate those who do go out of their way to show how to do workouts sitting down so that I can stay healthy, who show how to have good diet plans so that I can follow them and be the healthiest person that I could possibly be because I'm already at a disadvantage. Why would you want to disadvantage yourself even more when you're already starting out below zero? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And we should most definitely, if we're going to do this whole body positivity thing, don't just focus on one group of people just because they weren't popular within the last 10, 15, 20 years. Include fit people that were already admired. Include thin people that were already admired. Include the ignored people who maybe have some form of deformity that's not normal that you don't see often. Include everybody if you're gonna be body positive because we all have bodies. But if you're not going to and you're gonna push something for a couple dollars towards your business or just so that you get more likes on Instagram and TikTok or so that you can feel superior to others, no, we're, then you might as well just cut it all out. And don't even get me started on the superiority complex. People taking this, oh, well, um, I'm fat, therefore I have more authority than you do, and I have more say in this thing than you do because my life is harder, and then saying, well, I'm disabled, so that means that I have more weight to pull, and that my opinion matters more. Oh yeah, well, I'm black, and I feel like this, therefore this, that, and the third. No, it does not give you some sort of special right to treat people any way that you want to, to act any way that you want to, because let me tell you right now, black, I'm, I'm describing myself, by the way, black, female, disabled. I could cry all day, night long, and I have actually, and I thought that it would give me an upper hand in life. All it did was make me feel worse, and all it will ever do is make you feel worse. I mean, even in the fat community itself, there are standards and levels to this. I mean, it genuinely blows my mind that not all, the reason why, if you're not fat whatsoever, that you're getting hate is because within their community, they can't even accept each other. We're supposed to be body positive, yet you have small fats, mid fats, large fats, super fats, infinite fats, death fats. I mean, you have all these labels just so that someone can say, no, I'm more important than you. No, you can't talk back to me. No, you don't know my experience because you weigh 20 pounds less than I do, and I weigh however many pounds more than this next person does, therefore, I am the end-all be-all. And that's just not how life should work. Matter of fact, it's not how life actually works. We make up these terms and we make up these communities just so that we feel like we can say something, so we feel like we can fight for something, but we've never truly had to fight for anything. I mean, we're in the 21st century. Why are you so angry at everything? That's the first question we need to ask. Why do we hate ourselves? Why are we so upset? Are we really even looking into the mirror and digging deep within ourselves and learning to accept ourselves? Or are we just believing the five, ten thousand other people who are saying, no, you need to be upset? So is it body positivity? 
Is it love yourself and thy neighbor? Or is it fear mongering? Is it dollar signs? What are you fighting for? Think about it. I personally think that it's a distraction from yourself so that you don't heal because if you felt good about yourself, they wouldn't make anything off of you and they wouldn't get their retweets and they wouldn't get you obsessively scrolling through people's Instagrams and TikToks wondering, why can't that be me? Why can't that be me? Oh, I'm so angry and upset all the time. I have to comment on this and I have to boost the algorithm. That's what I think it's really about. And that's why I don't subscribe to it anymore. And that's why I don't believe in it anymore. And that's why I think it is a myth. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode thus far. I know I am. Just know that I'm doing this all out of my own pocket and my own time. So whenever you can, just share this episode on all of your social media. I'd really appreciate it. Now, let's get back to the episode. So this next segment that we're going to get into is specifically about startup businesses, small businesses, businesses that are really changing the game, making waves, maybe even reinventing themselves and taking a different direction. If you know any businesses that fit that bill, definitely tag me, send them my way. Just let me know about them so I can do some research into them. The one that I'm going to speak about today is one that I am so, so passionate about because I really see it doing incredible things, especially if you are listening to this and you have a disability or, you know, you don't have good health health insurance or you're just struggling with the cost of drugs and cost of medication in general. This one is definitely for you. This is Mark Cuban's Cost Plus Drugs. So I'm going to read directly from their website what they say their business is about and what their goals are. So it says, we started Mark Cuban's Cost Plus Drug Company because every American should have access to safe, affordable medicines. If you don't have insurance or have a high deductible plan, you know that even the most basic medications can cost a fortune. Every product we sell is priced exactly the same way. Our cost plus 15% plus the pharmacy fee, if any. When you get your medication from Cost Plus Drugs Co., you'll always know exactly how we arrived at the price you pay. And as we grow and our costs go down, we will always pass those savings on to you. Wow, that actually sounds like a really incredible idea. And of course, someone as big and as intelligent as Mark Cuban would be right behind it. If you follow him closely, you know he is one that makes business deal after business deal and he makes very smart moves so i think it's interesting that he's going into this area in this direction i am really excited for cost plus drugs because when you go onto their website costplusdrugs.com then you see that oh my goodness we are being robbed you guys the pharmaceutical companies they do not care about us in the slightest they don't care how much money we spend they don't care how broke we go they don't care if we go into debt as long as we get their medication they are fine with it as long as they get paid out from someone whether it's you or insurance or your house whoever they do not care and i think we've all felt at some point in our lives unless you are literally just that healthy then more power to you but we have felt the weight and the pressure. I mean, as someone who is in a wheelchair, I've had to get many medications over the years and I probably will get many more just because I have those kinds of complications. 
And to know that there's a company out there that is thinking of me and is thinking of, hey, you don't have to go through the middleman. You can go directly to us and get your medication, have it sent to your door. That right there is a game changer. And I see them disrupting everything in in the pharmaceutical area entirely. And I'm really excited to see it because they deserve it. <laughs> Let's be honest. So a future goal that Cost Plus Drugs has mentioned um, and I'll just read it in their words. They say, American drug manufacturing capacity is in shortage after the trend of many pharmaceutical facilities moving offshore. So they're not even made in America anymore, which is also a very big problem that we have in our country is taking everything for cheaper just because it's overseas instead of putting the time and effort and money in our own company here here in America, um, having our own facilities and powering ourselves, that's honestly an area that we lack. Now, allow me to continue. They say, we're building a state-of-the-art pharmaceutical facility in Dallas, Texas, where we'll produce our own high-quality medicines at the lowest possible prices. Now, let me just say this. We have all probably wished for a company like this to come around, and we've all probably had similar ideas but we didn't have mark cuban kind of money <laughs> to make this happen but i have to say that it's a good thing people like him exist and it's a good thing that their founder and ceo exists who i'm gonna share with you in a little bit a little bit of information about them um because we need this right and not even just that i am someone who fully believes that it's businesses that will disrupt everything not to say that the government won't do what they need to do in some areas but i genuinely believe that for something as big as this you're gonna need a business with a good model with a profitable and smart model to make things as cheap as possible as, like as they can be you're you're genuinely gonna need a business model like that because what we have in place right now is not sustainable and is not going to work for the long term and it's just going to cause more and more people to go broke over things that they need or cause cause more people to die and so that that's probably what's happening right now honestly people are just dying left and right because they can't get the medication that they need or they're having to go to the hospital and rack up even higher bills because they waited right but now it looks like we're we're actually stepping into the future this really does feel like we're stepping into the future of being able to say hey i need this medication let me uh speak to my doctor real quick or even speak to my doctor online get myself a prescription and then move on with my life i mean it's I, it blows my mind you guys it really does so who is backing this who is part of the team what is going on you know this sounds way too good to be true i want to know who's involved and trust me i get you because some people they hear mark cuban and they side eye right very rich man, obviously. Um, he's probably made some deals somewhere in there in his lifetime that people side-eye and may not trust him fully. So let's get into the founder and CEO. Alex Oshmiansky is the founder and CEO of Cosplus Drugs. He has a Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry from the University of Colorado at Boulder, an MD from the Duke University School of Medicine, and a PhD in Mathematics from Oxford University. So he's obviously a smart guy. He's done a lot regarding his academic career, um, and he also has some business knowledge. So he founded Altitude Medical, a startup dedicated to reducing the rates of nosocomial diseases in hospitals. And if you don't know what that is, a nosocomial disease is an infection you get while you're in the hospital for a different reason, such as germs being passed between patients or healthcare professionals. And that business has been going on for about 14 years. 
So definitely feel free to look more into Alex Oshmiansky. That's A-L-E-X-O-S-H-M-Y-A-N-S-K-Y. Next, one of their main partners is TruePill. So if you've heard of TruePill, you know who they are, but if you haven't, here's a general overview. They are a digital health platform that delivers diagnostics, telehealth, and pharmacy infrastructure to power consumer health experiences. TruePill backs companies such as GoodRx, Simple Health, Nurx, Phil, uh, companies like that that provide, you know, um, birth control through the mail or discounts on your uh, pharmacy pills and prescriptions. They've filled nearly 5 million prescriptions since starting up in 2016, and they've also expanded overseas and have their first office in the UK. So they're obviously trusted in areas that have more strict strict regulations than we do in the United States. So they might be might be making some moves, right? I can already see it now. There are people who are going to get their prescriptions and their doctor uh, visits online through TruePill and then turn around and fill it through Cost Plus Drugs. <laughs> I can already see that's the first thing that's coming to my mind. Um, and I, I think that it's probably a very smart move that they've partnered with TruePill because they've already had very fast growth. They know how to handle that fast growth and they're already moving overseas. So you could see Cost Plus Drugs probably become you know, standard across the world if, if necessary. So how much cheaper, right? That's probably the thing that you're thinking in your mind, like how much cheaper is this cost plus drugs thing? Because I bet it's a scam or whatever. It's probably not that great. I can hear it because that's the first thing I thought when I saw it on Twitter. I was like, what is this? So look at, let's look at some cost comparisons. First off, online, their drug list is huge. I mean, you've got from birth control, you've got dementia, you've got cancer medication. I mean, you've got diabetes medication, you've got heart medication. They have so much on this website. And so I, I took a look and I went to, of course, the cancer medication because, oh my goodness. Um, and they had this generic for Gleevec. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. It starts with an I. <laughs> you can find it on there. Um, and I looked for probably the most expensive, which would be max strength and then the highest count you could get. So if you had max strength and the 90 count, for retail price, it says it would be $28,971.90. That's the retail price. There is no way, right? That's what I'm thinking. There's no way Cost Plus Drugs could make it under $1,000. The retail, I mean, the price on Cost Plus Drugs for max strength, 90 count, is $111. I repeat. $111 compared to about $29,000. Wow. I'm personally shocked. I, I don't know if you are. Like my mouth, if I weren't talking right now, it'd just be hung open. Like that's my, that's my response to this. Now, not everyone has cancer medication and not everyone is going through something like that. So let's do something more, something more generic, more common. Uh, let's go to women's health care, right? Let's go to birth control. Birth control I went to, let's say their most expensive birth control, which is a generic for Agestin. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. It starts with an N. It starts with an N. Um, the 90 count, because there's only one one standard um, strength. And it's the 90 count is the highest amount you can get. That's three months worth. So the retail price is $178.20. 
Cost plus drug price is $42.60. That still blows my mind that you can have such a drastic change um, in, in your drug prices. I didn't realize that it was so racked up that, that they, they, really, they really put the, the prices so high on drugs and medication that just changes your life, that helps you live a standard life. Now, I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to try it. I'm making this claim. I am going to go to my doctor. I'm going to get my checkup, and I'm going to ask them if they can write me a prescription for, for cross plus drugs so I can get my medication on there. And then I'm going to order it. And we're going to see how well this works. Because my medication, it's not the most expensive in the world. But I'm not going to lie. You go up to the pharmacy and you just feel it in your wallet. And I'm going to give it a try. Because that could really... I, I want to support something that could be life-changing for everyone. Now you may be wondering, how come more people don't know about this? How come it's not on every commercial that I ever see? And as I mentioned earlier, they do not pay for any advertising so that they keep the cost low. And I think that's a really incredible thing that they're that dedicated to their mission and to really stick into what they say, which is to give you better costing medication. So the only thing that we can do is spread through word of mouth, which is why I'm putting it on here for everyone to see, for everyone to hear, because I genuinely like the idea of this company. I think it could be revolutionary and I really hope that people give it a chance and I definitely will. So that is it for the small business segment. I Tell me if you have any businesses that you think are rocking this world and send them my way. I would love to give them a shout out. Our final topic today is called what's going on where we talk about some really important things that are going on in the united states bills that are being passed uh giant social issues things that you know you hear a lot about but you may or may not actually understand and i'm not here to give you my opinion on it and i'm definitely not an expert but i will read literally what is going on so let's get started we are talking about inflation dun 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 the one thing that we are all definitely feeling right now because a bottle of water don't cost a bottle of water anymore it costs about three four now and we're really starting to feel that pain food gas everything is very very expensive but what does it mean well thing is we understand what inflation is the price of goods are going up but you're not getting more for what you're paying for but what effect does that have on us? For one, we lose our purchasing power. And so that means we have less money to work with and to put towards our savings. And it's even worse if you were already penny pinching before prices went up. And this also means that businesses, incredible businesses, ones that could be on the same impact level of cost plus drugs are suffering because money is just going towards the absolute bare minimum necessities and so businesses are starting to close down more and more every single day because we aren't spending any money and i know money is the root of all evil or so we hear all the time but being obsessed with money um, having greed towards money is where the evil comes from money keeps this world that we're living in moving you know trading goods and services and when you have no goods or services to trade for then what are you left with 
Well, the Biden administration has just signed in the Inflation Reduction Act, which is supposed to help us combat inflation. It's also known as H.R. 5376. Now, I highly suggest that you look this up and read along. I'm going to tell you what you should be looking for. I would not suggest listening to any kind of Fox, uh, MSNBC, any non- direct sources of information that's going to tell you more of how they feel about something than what it actually is. The reason I suggest this is because, come on, we're adults, we vote, right? We make decisions. We should be capable of looking into acts and different bills and making a decision for ourselves whether or not we agree with it. So, I suggest looking up HR 5376 Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 and searching specifically for the summary that was provided by congress.gov. I'm going to go through and read exactly, not word for word, but I'm going to read through the summary of what they say this act is supposed to do. Now, I'm going to read a small snippet that is from democrats.senate.gov on what they say the Inflation Reduction Act is supposed to do, and then we're going to go through the uh, Congress website on what it actually does, right? So the Senate says that the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 will make a historic down payment on deficit reduction to fight inflation, invest in domestic energy production and manufacturing, and reduce carbon emissions by roughly 40% by the year 2023, and extend the expanded Affordable Care Act program for three years through to 2025. Now first, let's talk taxes. There is a 15% corporate minimum tax worth $222 billion. It says, this bill imposes an alternative minimum tax of 15% of the average annual adjusted financial statement income of domestic corporations, not including subchapter S corporations, regulated investment companies, and real estate investment trusts that exceed $1 billion over a specified three-year period, and the tax will be effective in taxable years beginning after December 31st, 2022. Next is the IRS tax enforcement worth $124 billion. The bill provides additional funding for the Internal Revenue Service, that's the IRS, for taxpayer services and enforcement, including for operation support, business systems modernization, and the development of a free direct e-file tax return system. It also provides additional funding for the Department of the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, the Office of Tax Policy, the Tax Court, and Treasury Departmental Offices. Next, there's the 1% stock buyback fee. The bill imposes a 1% excise tax on the fair market value of stock repurchased by a domestic corporation after 2022, with certain exceptions. So, one thing we do know is that they're definitely going to raise taxes on a lot of big businesses, and the question is whether or not that will trickle down to us as consumers and raise the cost of goods even more. Now, I'm not going to make any predictions, that's for you to decide. Next, they're reforming the pricing of prescription drugs. It states, specifically, the CMS, which is the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, must negotiate maximum prices for brand name drugs that do not have 
other generic equivalents and that account for the greatest Medicare spending. The CMS must negotiate the prices of 10 drugs in 2026, 15 drugs in 2027 and 2028, and 20 drugs in 2029 and each year thereafter. Drug manufacturers that fail to comply with negotiation requirements are subject to civil penalties and excise taxes. Continuing on, it says, In addition, the bill requires drug manufacturers to issue rebates to the CMS for brand-name drugs without generic equivalents under Medicare that cost $100 or more per year per individual and for which prices increase faster than inflation. Manufacturers that fail to comply are subject to civil penalties. The main final piece of this says that the bill eliminates beneficiary cost-sharing above the annual out-of-pocket spending threshold under the Medicare prescription drug benefit beginning in 2024 and caps annual out-of-pocket spending at $2,000 in 2025, with annual adjustments thereafter. It also establishes a program under which drug manufacturers provide discounts to beneficiaries who have incurred costs above the annual deductible beginning in 2025. This appears to be very beneficial for those who are on Medicare, but that only accounts for about 64 million people in the United States, with a total population of 329 million. Okay, then it should be simple. Just get on Medicare so that you can benefit from this, right? Not necessarily. According to the Health and Human Services government website, there are some qualifications you have to meet in order to get on Medicare. It states, Generally, Medicare is available for people age 65 or older, younger people with disabilities, and people with end-stage renal disease, permanent kidney failure requiring dialysis or transplant. Now, I don't want to make a decision for you, but I definitely think that this information should be more transparent, because not even half of the country is going to benefit from these Medicare changes. Not only that, according to Medicare.gov, Medicare is paid for through two trust fund accounts held by the U.S. Treasury. These funds can only be used for Medicare. And in 2020, Medicare spending grew by 3.5% to $829.5 billion. This is from CMS.gov. Now, I'm disabled, and I benefit from Medicare, so of course, I could just say that these are fine and dandy changes, but I care about America as a whole, and with inflation looking the way it is, I worry that more people are going to be priced out of their drugs. Now, let's move on to the next portion of this act. So, there are some other funding that they're doing for the Department of Agriculture. It states, the bill provides funding to the Department of Agriculture, the USDA, for a variety of programs related to conservation and renewable energy. That includes voluntary conservation programs, the USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service, Rural Energy for America program, and the National Forest System. Now, I'm not reading everything because I absolutely encourage you to go to congress.gov, but just know that this bill does include a lot for energy security and just funding renewable sources. For example, one portion, subtitle D, energy security, states the bill modifies and extends through 2024 tax credits for producing electricity from renewable resources, specifically for wind, biomass, geothermal and solar, landfill gas, trash, qualified hydropower, and marine and hydrokinetic resources for investment in certain energy properties, 
including solar, fuel cells, waste energy uh, recovery, combined heat and power, small wind property, and microturbine property, and for alternative fuel and fuel mixtures and biodiesel and renewable diesel. Now, there's another portion of funding that includes uh, providing additional funding for the president to carry out activities under the Defense Protection Act of 1950. The act confers on the president a broad set of authorities to influence domestic industry in order to provide essential materials and goods for the national defense. It also states that in addition, the bill provides funding to the Department of Housing and Urban Development for loans and grants to fund projects that address affordable housing and climate change issues such as projects designed to increase the energy or water efficiency of affordable housing. So the question is, what exactly are they going to use the funding for? Because there's definitely a goal there, right? The influence of domestic industry or uh, grants to fund projects that address affordable housing. However, those are very nonspecific, in my opinion. So that is a general overview of H.R. 5376, also known as the Inflation Reduction Act. And I highly recommend that you go to congress.gov Look for HR 5376 and take a look at everything. It doesn't just include the summary. It also includes the exact text that they read whenever making this decision and that they also amended and made edits to. Uh, It includes the text, the summary, the actions, titles, amendments, composers, committees, and related bills. So what I would recommend doing if you have a hard time reading the text is to go back through the summary and the text and kind of go into the general area that you're reading, look at the summary of it so that you can kind of understand how they word their uh, information and just get from the direct source. Now, I'm not saying that the media is untrustworthy. However, I do think that the best source is the one that we have directly in front of us from Congress themselves, the actual bill, the information, the cost estimates, everything that they've provided so that we can be aware. And then if you agree with it, you can support those who also agree with it. And if you don't, you can support those who don't. Make decisions for yourself. There's so much going on in the world that we tend to forget what's going on in our own backyard. There's a lot of socioeconomic issues that we're dealing with online, in person, uh, with our government, and even with the businesses that are forming around us. And I just really believe that we should all stay in tune, uh, form opinions, and don't be afraid to say them. You know, there seems to be this really big issue with being terrified to speak your Uh, what you believe and without putting up with the crazy politics of censorship. I mean, censorship has become such an issue. The internet used to be a place where you could say, I mean, the darndest things and it would be fine because you could put your phone down or you can log off. But now it's becoming very real. And what you say online and what you do online, that could be the difference between getting a job and getting fired and never having a job again. But that's exactly why I wanted to change the direction of this podcast. Again, I mean, story times are great and I definitely intend to do them, but we should also be able to speak our minds about different topics. I should be able to call out the whole fat phobia nonsense. I should be able to call out the body positivity movement. I should be able to call out the censorship that occurs on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube without being demonized for it or without having to lose a job over it. It's really, it is and isn't that serious.
Another reason why this matters so much to me is because I'm a part of what people would consider a protective class. I mean, people get let me get away with so much because the last thing they want to do is offend a female minority disabled person. I mean, they're so scared to even look at me wrong sometimes. And I think it's absolutely awful and it's completely unfair and it's not the country that I grew up learning about. Yes, I'm someone who absolutely believes in free speech. I'm someone who believes that it's okay to be either Republican or Democrat. I believe that you can shout Black Lives Matter if you want to, but you can also shout back the blue if you want to. I'm not here to police what you have to say because that's what you choose to say and that's what you choose to believe in. But I do encourage that you stay informed and that you stay smart and that you make decisions for yourself. Don't do it because Sally or Jensen or your best buds told you to or because someone who looks like you says that you should. I'm not agreeing with everything just because someone says, well, you're part of a protected class, therefore you should be fighting for my rights just as much as you fight for yours. Sorry, I don't swing that way. And that's just something you're gonna have to deal with. So of course, I just want to give glory to the God above, the Father, the King, the one who is amazing every day, every night, and all the time for allowing me to have the confidence to speak and say what I want to, for introducing me to incredible platforms like Anchor that allow me to start podcasts for free and put it on Spotify for free. And I just want to thank him for everything that he does. And I really hope that he makes moves in your life, regardless of if you believe in God or not, you know, just know that he loves you so, so much. And I will always spread that message to the end of my days. Because honestly, I am nothing without him and I wouldn't have made it and felt the way that I do about myself without his love and grace. And I also want to thank all of you who have been listening. I had almost 100 listeners on just my story time alone and I really appreciate it. You guys are absolutely incredible and I hope that you like the new direction that this podcast is going in. And even if you don't, I probably wouldn't change it, but I still appreciate the support. And like I said, um, If you would like to sponsor an episode, if you would like to share an episode, please put it on your social media. Uh, Tell your friends about it because this one is for my disabled people out there who just don't care anymore. I mean, you are not going to be a victim of your past. You are not going to be someone else's example, someone else's motivation just because they look at you and feel sorry for you. Um, For those people, this is for you, and I hope that you enjoy this podcast, and I would love to hear your thoughts and ideas, and be sure to answer the questions on Spotify that are going to be provided throughout this podcast, because I think they're really interesting and will help you get engaged. Thank you so much. My name is Zoe Nicole, and this is I Can't Walk, I'm Not Dead. Catch you next time.